Money Sense, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. A very good morning and warm welcome once again to Money Sense. I'm Simon Cordry and I'm joined this morning with my co-host Amy Hubble. Amy, good morning. Good morning, good to be back. Yes, indeed. We are in the studio. I hope we're not breaking any rules by being here. I have a mask. <laughs> we have masks, we have cleaning wipes, we have Purell, we have all, so, we have all sorts <laughs> of uh, sanitation products. And we are very happily to be joined here by a, a very important guest this morning, given what's going on in the Cayman economy. And I say that word deliberately. We are joined by the Minister of Finance and Economic Development, the Honourable Minister McTaggart. So very good morning to you. Good morning, Simon. Good morning to you too, Amy. And good morning to the wider Cayman Islands this morning. Very happy to be here with you. Well, thank you. We, we, you join us, I think it's the third time you've joined us, join us, if I'm not mistaken. And in the previous times you've joined us, it's been slightly happier times. The, the economic news has been slightly more buoyant. Uh, you've been reporting, I think, in the past um, positive numbers, economic growth numbers. You've been reporting pay down of debt, all those sorts of things. Yeah. You made a statement about a week and a half ago, and it's, it's fair to say it wasn't one of your more optimistic statements. So do you want to just talk us through the headline, the key points of that that you think people should be aware of? Well, sure. I am... Uh you know, I gave a, a bit of an update on what the projections are from the Economics and Statistics Office with regard to the, um, you know, the likely contraction of the economy because, like it or not, the economy has shrunk quite substantially and will continue to, stink, to shrink substantially, I think, for the foreseeable future. Um, we reported that the estimates were that without any sort of stimulus, the economy would contract by more than 11% this year uh, with the stimulus measures that were implemented to date that they were expected to reduce that number to about 7.3% contraction, which still is a very substantial contraction in your economy. Mm -hmm. um, that means GDP. That is, G I'm talking about GDP. Money that's being spent in hotels, money that's being paid in taxis, money that's being spent at restaurants, every dollar that gets spent gets counted within that, right? Yes. So 7.5%. That, that, that's quite substantial, <laughs> especially, you know, when you look at it, when a, a significant part of your economy is is completely shut down. And I'm speaking of tourism itself. Of course. So it, it, it's, if for want of a better word, it's, it's sort of unfairly targeted, <laughs> has targeted the, the tourism sector, uh, affected the most by it. Well, for the longest term, probably. And yes, that will be the case. Because I think, Amy, even after we reopen the economy and we do open the borders to receive guests, it's going to take, I think, a very long time for the for things to, to get back to a what I would consider a normal level of, of tourism activity. And that, it's going to take time to build. And that's a really important point, I think, because if I understand it correctly, government forecasts are based on the presumption that the airport may reopen in September. That's correct. Uh, and so your forecast of minus... 12 or thereabouts is based on that presumption and then presumably yeah. a slow recovery of visitors. But we saw just yesterday, as an example, um, that Texas reported the highest number of infections they've ever experienced in a seven-day period. And Florida is seeing an uptick in infections as well because yeah. they've reopened. Now, it would seem unlikely to me that a government such as this is going to see, see situations like that and start allowing uh, flights in from those sorts of places. So then when you think about it, you think, well, 
September may may not even be plausible. So if it's later, that means the economic contraction would be a lot worse, of course. It, it very much could be, mm. because you are right that it, it, it is these assumptions that, that, that we are, or these actions that have been taken that, and announced that we base the projections and estimates on for the GDP contraction. And if you look at the marketplace, I mean, everything for us, to me, depends on what happens in, in the United States. Mm. Um, and and wider North America, um, Canada doesn't represent a significant, uh, uh, you know, very significant portion of our tourism activity. But you look at the key markets for for the Cayman tourism. It's the Northeast, New York, New Jersey area, Connecticut. Um, it is Florida, mm-hmm. and it's, it's Texas. Texas. And those, those three key markets for us are just the the, the virus is just raging there. So the, you know. We look at what happens and, and, and base our decisions on what we see happening in, in areas like that. So those things bear, you know, very close watching in terms of, uh, you know, what we tr- decide to do with tourism because we know that the economy is completely almost, you know, very is dominated by, you know, tourism. 80% comes from North America. Even in financial services, mm-hmm. 80% of it comes from North America as well. So we are very dependent on the Amer- U.S. market for all, literally all of our, our economy. And we talk about our, our tourism. I think, I think government says or said that, and I think you, you said this, that tourism is about 20% of GDP. Yes. And I've heard people say that can't be right because it must be more. And, and, and without, I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty of it, but to give an example, something like the captive insurance conference, which was announced that it was cancelled. Uh, a lot of those people, when they come to Cayman, they put down business on their forms, and so they're not counted as tourists in the traditional sense. But that's a 1,000 people in November, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it's early December, who won't be coming to Cayman because of a conference like that that's been cancelled. And so you've got business people who won't visit, who won't be visiting Cayman. And so the tourism product, in other words, the spending in hotels and such like, is going to be hurt more than just those who are here for leisure. It's yeah. going to be hurt by people who are visiting for meetings. They can't come and meet SEMA. SEMA aren't working. Sorry, SEMA aren't operating out of their offices. Be careful, phrase that careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have an inspection next week. Should be careful what I say. <laughs> I know. Uh, th- but you can't come and have meetings like that. You can't be going to conferences because they're not existing. And that's quite a difficult thing to model from a statistics perspective. But it's actually right, isn't it? There, there will be a, a knock-on effect because of things like that. Well, there certainly is. I mean, two of the big things, when you look at the, the way the, the, um, the GDP numbers are actually reported, and we, we, what we do is we pull out, we look, in terms of looking at the tourism, we look at the restaurants and, and, uh, and, and the bar, restaurants uh, uh, and that area, as well as the, the hotels. Um, so we do capture, I think, the vast majority of it. There is probably, um, you know, some peripheral activity in other segments of that are reported on that might not necessarily get pulled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, People staying identify. in second homes or things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely, yeah. that sort of stuff that might. But I mean, I, as um, I, I'm not sure how the theory and science behind yeah. your calculating, you know. Collecting all the data and ca- yeah. calculating, and there's the so GDP much trickle down like even, and there's yeah. trickle down effects that I don't know of. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I was saying don't I was, want to get that. I was, actually, get that I, was actually, I was actually having a conversation with some people just two nights ago, and one of the challenges in Cayman from calculating GDP is that there's only one way of doing it, which is what we what's called the output method. In most countries, you have a taxation system, so it's quite yeah. easy to count what income is. Yeah. Now, 
that's a good thing not having income tax, right? We all agree that. I don't think anyone listening to this will think, you know, I'd love to pay income tax. But one of the good things it does have is it makes it easy to calculate GDP because you know what the income level and you know how people have been harmed. Yeah. And, and that's difficult in Cayman to do. But you can also calculate it by the expenditure method as well. Yeah. That, so there, there, there's some broad, broad methods there of doing it. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, ESO does look at both sides mm-hmm. of the equation to try and make reconcile them yeah. and identify any areas that might pop out that might be an outlier. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm, I'm stretching into the memory banks here, but I think the first time we had you on the show, one of the things that was happening imminently was one of those surveys that ESO does, finding out, and, and we talked about the importance of people mm-hmm. responding to surveys because mm-hmm. it's those surveys which help guide what the economic activity is. And so people will say, oh, it's a waste of time answering the door to these people. You know, it's a frustration. But if you don't, then we don't know how bad things are. Yeah. And we don't know what uh, policy actions are. Is it right that government is spending X dollars for everyone who's unemployed in the tourism industry or not? Well, you can't make a judgment on that unless you have good data. Absolutely. And the more people that respond to these sorts of things, presumably the better the data is and the more informed your decision-making would be. That is correct. Um, it, it is so critical. And I, I give me an opportunity here just to plug with, <laughs> with, the, with the population that when, when the ESO you know, calls and is seeking information and data from you, um, you know, it's important that we respond and, and, and respond in a very truthful and transparent way to the information they're seeking to gather. Um, there's so much that it goes into in that office in terms of trying to protect the integrity and the um, anonymity mm-hmm. of the data. Uh, I know I've, I hear that as one of the complaints every time. Oh, it, if I give it to government, it's not going to be safe. Not so. And I, I don't think, that in, certainly in my lifetime, I've ever heard or ever known of an instance of a breach of confidentiality mm-hmm. in the ESO. And in my mind, it just ain't going to happen. Not when I see and know the controls that are in there in terms of limiting access and protecting the anonymity of mm-hmm. data. And I think, yeah, I think there, may, there are lots of people who can have policy disagreements or views that are different to yours or your, your government in terms of the actions you're taking. But if people's views are based on information that's wrong, they, they must they must accept that that's information. They they must accept that fact, and therefore it's beholden upon all of us to encourage better data. Then we can have more informed yeah. policy debates. It's as opposed to saying, well, it's wrong to do this. Fine, but do you have any evidence that that what, what the implications of that are? And that it's, so the data behind it and the numbers are Absolutely. crucial. And it's a boring and very dry subject, but it is it is vital to being able to make good policy yeah. decisions. And you're hitting the nail right on the head, Simon. And from terms of the data. And, and the reports that come out, we look, take a look at these things and they do influence our decision making because it, quite often it's it's the only data that we have. And I mean, when it, we, we started looking at the you know economic stimulus and, and looking at the economy, I mean, the first information we had to go on or to look at anything was what came out of the ESO mm-hmm. in terms of, of what they, you know what they were seeing and what they were projecting. Yeah. until we had some sort of indication from them as to how bad the situation really was. Um, there's no way that we could, could really act in, in a concrete way that would, <clears throat> you know, really, really have a, a positive impact and very significant impact on the economy. And, and you said something there. You, it was an unintentional pun. You said concrete way, um, because I was going to make the point <laughs> that there's. You hear. I've heard a lot of people in the construction industry say, "Well, why aren't we getting the same support potentially that the tourism industry is getting?" And 
one of the criticisms perhaps of the construction industry has had in the past, I've heard many construction people say is, I haven't got time to respond to these surveys. And so they say, well, you don't recognize the output that we generate for the economy. If you don't respond to the surveys, the output's not going to be measured. You're right. Presumably government can't analyze what it is because they can only do what's based in front of them in the statistics. Absolutely. And it has a lot to do with, I think, trust in government. And that is a symbiotic relationship because you have to have The Americans talking about trust in government. (laughs) (laughs) Careful, Amy. We're not going to talk about America unless we want to really dive deep into that. I think it it goes, goes back to kind of that endless debate, which we should talk about in terms of and, and it's a bit of a controversial topic right now, is how do we balance the health risk and the mm. economic risk? Yeah. And that is what that that has to ultimately balance down to, and that we cannot stay cloistered in our houses no. for the rest of the year, the rest of the, even the rest of the summer. Something has to happen because people have to eat. The Cayman government cannot support everyone, 65,000 people, um, like the U.S. government can. The U.S. government can immediately send every taxpayer, citizen or not, a check in the mail that they printed. They can provide unemployment benefits indefinitely to people that are permanently employed, furloughed. The Cayman government cannot do that, and I think everybody recognizes that. So I think it has a lot to do with trust in government that they are going to balance those needs. So tell me your perspective on that. Well, because we haven't gotten a lot of that kind of perspective of that. And, it, and I think bringing in, bring in the topic of unemployment, because you mentioned that in your speech as well. So those are all connected items, aren't they? Yes. No, no, they certainly are. And I mean, our philosophy and, and the game for plan for us from the very outset initially was to protect the health and well-being of the citizens, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. The, we, we took the decision that the economic consequences, we deal with those after and, and we, where we are now getting to is to the point now where the, the economic consequences are, are, are staring us more starkly in our faces. And, uh, you know, people, as you say, have, have, have grown tired now of being uh, shut up in their homes and are ready and, and wanting to, uh, you know, to, to get back out into the world and to, to have a semblance of, uh, of freedom and movement again. And that, that's totally understandable. So, you know, as we move now, the focus will, in the coming months, I think, return to the, uh, the, uh, the, the focus on the economy. That is, unless we see a, what we call, are now talking about, is a second wave, uh, which I hope we don't see. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Amy, Simon, this has been a really rough period. I, I don't ever want to see this and have to go through this mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Uh, it's been really tough to make some of the decisions we've had to make as a government, knowing what you are doing to your population and to your economy. Um, so we are moving, I think, now in the right direction. I think our premier has now given the right signals that you know a lot of in the vast majority of the uh, of the shelter-in-place restrictions will will start will fall away, uh, not too far from now, and uh, hopefully. <laughs> we will see a, a, a significant upturn in economic activity. Uh, I, you know, I think we have to remember where we were on March what, 22nd, 23rd, when we actually shut the economy down. I mean, it was very, very buoyant for us. The experience we had in 2019, where we were growing at about 32 
that continued right through in, into January, February. And, you know, tourism was still showing upward trends. Everything, financial services, construction was extremely buoyant. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we are extremely lucky, very lucky, a lot of where we left off will, I think, will pick right back up and could. If you look at what's happening in construction, it's just going like gangbusters right mm-hmm. now. Uh, and driven in large part because developers were ready, willing, and they've had the funding in place and, and, and the resources to get these projects experienced, uh, you know, get these pro- projects finished. And we've seen that uh, in that in that many thousands of people have returned to uh, the construction sites and building it, that, that boom has is continuing as we as we speak for, for sure i think and, 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 and that's yeah. one area within our economy where we do have some control over because that's all generated yeah it's local know, activity it, it's local activity but we have to take a very short break and I want, we're obviously going to continue this conversation and touch on the construction industry in one area particularly so join us again in a few seconds as we continue our conversation with the minister of economics and finance this is Money Sense, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. Brought to you by the CFA Society Cayman Islands. And now, more Money Sense. Welcome back to Money Sense and our conversation with Minister Roy McTaggart on the subject of Cayman, Cayman and its economy in today's climate. Just before the break, Minister, you were touching on the construction industry as being an area where there's substantial amount of reactivity. Uh, developers had a lot of projects that were ready to go or actually already starting and then were stopped. And you and you've pointed out that that's now it was booming and it's now back to a decent level of activity. And I think that's that that, that touches on something which is going on globally. There's this general mindset globally of income inequality and a lot of people in Cayman I suppose have probably been frustrated with government because those people who are um, most able to afford the challenges that we're going through haven't really been affected. The finance, the lawyers, the accountants, the investment people, we can all work from home fairly easily and still earn money. But it's those at possibly the lower income levels who live a little bit more day to day who are affected by these lockdown measures, who can't work in a restaurant, earn the money, earn the tips or work on a building site. And so that is, to Amy's point, a crucial element of getting those people income that they need to be able to support their families. And do you, want to, do you want to say a few things about that? Because you also have some support measures that the government has introduced for yeah. people like that as well. So I think it'd be helpful to talk about that. Yeah. No, well, I, I mean, briefly, um, yes, I understand. I, I see the, the, the see what's happening all over the world. It, it, it's it certainly highlighted the issues that exist in a yeah. capital system. And uh, I mean, government has, has uh, certainly in Cayman, I think throughout all the ages, looked themselves as, as really the... Um, the safety net, so to speak, to make sure that <clears throat> they, we provide some level of support that allows for every person in this country to to be able to live in in some level of comfort and decency in there. Um, so that's the way we have historically chosen to deal with that issue, while allowing you know the the. Uh, the capitalism that we, the model that we have enjoy in this this part of the world, to continue to um, to thrive and to and to to uh, to to operate, short of actually having <clears throat> income 
redistribution, yeah. if I might use that term. <laughs> so income tax and then social <laughs> and security payments. Another careful, social. another careful political term. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> You're getting good at this politics. <laughs> that's, 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 it. that's the only other way that I know yeah. to deal with that, that type of an issue, and we have not ever had the inclination to, to move to that, to that type of a model, um, simply because the, the economic activity and wealth we've been able to create with the system that we have. Yeah, certainly we are not best. calling for a change from capitalism, but it, I think it comes down to those those parts. Viva revolution. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but those, those parts of the economy that, you know, there's, there's parts of the economy that it's kind of demand delay versus demand destruction. You know, if, if you were planning on buying a car before this happened, later on, you'll probably still buy yeah. that car. That's, that's what we want. We want as much of that to happen is things that maybe you are going to do to be able to do. Then there's things, and especially at the bottom of, of the socioeconomic status of the, of the, of the payrolls, you have people, I'm looking at both of your heads right now, and I'm, I'm noticing that you need haircuts. So <laughs> I assume she's pretty not, bad. She's definitely not wrong about me. <laughs> but I assume that when, when you're able to go get a haircut, you will. Yeah. But there's probably three haircuts in there that never happen, yeah. yes. that will never get paid yeah. for. And that's, I think, this big hole mm. in, people's, in people's lives and in people's income stands that you know, you can't just make up. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can even offer loans, which can continue to kind of keep you forward. But it's not going to make up for those meals that weren't eaten, those haircuts that weren't that weren't made, or those trips that hopefully. I mean, that's that's the goal: is the yeah. U.S. these U.S. tourists that would have come will still come next year. They will still come in January. Hopefully, they'll come in October. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think, the what we really need to focus on is how do we make sure that those things that should have happened, happened, and minimize those things that, that will just never happen. And I, I think you're right. You're spot on with that. And I mean, there's certain aspects of the, that thing. It's gone. It, it's not ever going to happen. Um, but the thing, to me, the key element is, is that you get that economic activity and those, act, those things taking place again so that those people who service and provide those goods and services can start to function and operate again and contribute in a very positive way. Otherwise, they will just simply end up to me on the uh, on looking for yeah. you know government social assistance. And, and that's where I think government has to fill the gaps. And I yeah. know you have. Yeah. And, and I know that you were. And even when we talked last year, I think we we always joked that you you never had any bad news to share with us. <laughs> and obviously, this is this is a different situation. But you also shared with us the 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 relative fiscal strength of the Cayman Islands balance sheet. Right. And I think even Simon and I were, were almost critical of that because of where we were at that time. Right. So now coming back and now looking here in June, that strength that, that was in place, to, to your credit certainly, um, can now be used to hopefully fill those gaps. So talk about kind of some of those, those gap-filling measures yeah. that, are being, that are being used. If, if I could start then with the you know, social assistance and, and providing that safety net for, the, for our citizens. There is going to be a need for for significant amount of uh, resources to be given there. I think going forward for for the foreseeable future, because as you you rightfully say, many thousands of people have now been put out of jobs, and it's going to take them, I think, a while to all get back to work or to find alternative employment, mm-hmm. uh, which is another area that we 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 have to face as well, because a lot of jobs, while well, a lot of jobs have been lost. Um, 
a significant portion of them won't come back in the same form right. in which they were lo- they, they they existed prior to the lockdown. And that's an unknown. And that, that is an unknown. And some people, people that were working in those jobs in order to find employment are going to have to look at other segments of re- our economy to find employment. So that that's a very significant element as well. But what I would respond to you in terms of what, what when you were framing your questions, aren't you glad that we have those resources now? I am, now? I am. Certainly. And I mean, that has put us in a position that most countries in the Western world are not, don't have that luxury. We've got significant resources in, in store that we are now deploying to support the economy. Now, my challenge as minister is just to make sure that we don't blow it all in the first three, <laughs> right. four, four months, but just make sure we have to manage that process and manage the resources as we go forward to make sure we are able to see ourselves through uh, this this, this crisis until we can re- return to a, n- a new normal, whatever that is going to be. Yeah, and now, I think that's what the people want to hear, is yes. the Cayman government is willing to to pony up monetarily to support this period. Yeah, and we are going to do it, um, and we are doing it. Um, the issue now that we face, though, in terms of putting help out there as well, I also have to look at what's happening with government's finances itself. I don't know if you listened to the pre- you listened to the presentation I made. I mean, I saw showed you what happened in April, mm-hmm. where we collected less than fifty percent of the projected revenues, but expenses were up by a very significant amount as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a result of that, there was a huge imbalance, and we ended up for the month of, with uh, yeah. a, a deficit for the month of about I think I said it was for forty six million dollars. Um, that was a shocker for me. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. I thought that April was going to, the revenue side of it would have held up a bit better. So that re- had, but when I think about it, okay, I can rationalize it because literally the entire economy was shut down. Yeah, that number didn't didn't even make me flinch. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fair enough. She's used to U.S. deficits. She doesn't, 40 million is nothing. Well, you look at it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what is a surplus, you, right? <laughs> Uh, there's, US there's, is another one. there's no government in the world that could run a surplus right now, and certainly nobody, no. no one should be. No, but there, no, there, absolutely But there not. has been an argument, some have made the argument that the government's been too timid in the sense that it's got a huge amount of capacity to borrow in the market, yeah. and you're only talking about $250 million or so. No, I'm looking. Uh, yesterday million, right? we went out Half and uh, we're, we're yeah. looking to put in place now a $500 million yeah. line of credit that would give us that resilience and and sure okay. that we need to move through this um so you know we're, we're you're, you're ramping up in, things okay. we're ra- ramping up things here and okay. to be honest with you the 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 desire and the aim here is that that line of credit would only be accessed if we need it when and if we need it okay now there's there's one thing we, we, we are always a little tight tight on time but there's one thing we talked to the Sort of just before the break, I think I mentioned that there are many sectors of the economy that are doing fine. Um, the legal sector, the accounting, the investment sector—they're all doing fine. And it's right that they, they, some of the resources there are used to support those that aren't doing so well. That's no one probably would disagree with that sentiment. But it's also true to say that the finance sector in Cayman has done very well for a large number of years, mm-hmm. 
but it's getting very difficult to do yes. continually well. There's a lot of pressure coming from the EU yeah. to kill Cayman's finance industry. And so there's a lot of new regulations which are turning people away from Cayman and people are taking their businesses that are here, closing them down. To what extent can we get extract some sort of promise or guarantee or something from you to say that we're not going to kill the, go- the goose that's the golden goose that's here by taxing the finance sector more, making this exodus from that sector even worse? So what can you what can you do to or tell us to reassure us in that respect? Well, I, what I can tell you is that we are doing everything that we can to protect and to preserve the industry. But you are, are quite right, Simon. We are under an onslaught from the EU um, with regard to to this every time they come out with with things that they want you to do um, before you even finish dealing with those issues they change the goalpost midstream and tell you a number of other things that they want done so it's just never ending and they do hold a hammer to your head and say you know well if you don't do this you face the likelihood of sanctions from the EU and whether you like it or not, I mean, you know, an entity such as the EU, a blacklisting you and then imposing sanctions on you can have very dire consequences. So it is a very de- delicate balance that we are playing here, but but essentially trying to negotiate a mi- through a navigate through a minefield that that is just never seems to end for us. None of us want to see this industry. I'm more than anyone. I worked in this mm-hmm. industry for 30 years. I know what it contributes to the wealth, health and well-being of this country. It's, uh, about, it's about 80% of GDP as of today, yeah, when you ab- think about right. it. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And it yeah. continued to operate right through the into yeah. all through the, the, uh, the lockdown. So if we never had that, my goodness, where would we be right now? Mm-hmm. The, the, the situation for us and the demands on government resources would be triple what they are today. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I, I get it, I know it. So um, we, we, we're we almost extracting from you a promise of no new fees or increases or such like <laughs> on that, but uh, not quite, I, not quite. No, I, I, I'm happy to say there is no discussion okay. in government at this time about raising fees. Um, I can't say to you, it, it might not have to be aired somewhere mm-hmm. down the road if we've but you, you recognize the, what's at stake. Absolutely. Yeah. We have total understanding, clarity there on, on what is at stake. But right. at the moment, I don't see a need for us to yeah. propose uh, raising taxes in, in any way. Um, we have sufficient reserves mm-hmm. and we can, you know, we need to get through those and we need to look at the, uh, you know, if we need to access that line of credit as we get to down to that point where we see where where what the resources are going to be consumed then we can make that, those decisions yeah. but i have to remember that you know in a situation like this taxing your people is is the last thing you want to do yeah. well because that's just pulling money out of your really. economy i think for the first time ever on money sense we've ended on a positive note whereby we've got a positive outcome where we aim not to have additional taxes and we think we can get through what we are in Without needing to, and that's a, that's 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 a that's a very positive outlook. Given the stress that Cayman's gone through in the past few months, that's a that's a very pleasant place to as, as good a place as we could possibly hope to be. in, I think. Yeah. Uh, no one no one likes where we are, but at least it, we recognise it could be a lot worse. And you've 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 made that you've made that commitment that it, you recognise the importance of that sector. Yeah. I mean, the the uh, financial services it continues to be the uh, the backbone of 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 the Cayman economy. And it contributes disproportionately mm-hmm. to the the health and wealth of 
of of our economy and our people. And uh, you know, it's we're going to fight to keep it as best we get, uh, give everything we can. Um, I don't want to say that there's a commitment for no taxes sure. completely, but I mean, you look at it as you move along. Yeah, Certainly in the short to medium term, that's fair. there is no intention for, uh, for to raise taxes. That, that's, that, that's reasonable. I think, was it Milton Keynes who said, if the facts change, I change my opinion. And that, that's, that's only reasonable. You can't be dogmatic about something. Anyway, we are... I wish more people would, would <laughs> accept. Yes, it, listening to facts and changing their views and such like. We are, I think... In, in, engaging ever so slightly into the news hour and so I do apologise to our listeners who are tuning in looking to listen to the news uh, we have been joined this morning by Minister McTaggart it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you very much for your insight and thoughts on where Cayman's economy is thank you too enjoyed being here thank you with that we are at the end of the show thank you very much for tuning into Money Sense again and join us again in two weeks time as we will explore other avenues and other areas associated with the economic and financial industry in Cayman with other speakers and with other guests hosts on the show so tune, tune in again in Money Sense in two weeks time